Bonjour. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. My name is Marvelous, and I'm a member of Grace Church here. Um, I'm here. My wife is here, Blessing, and we've got two kids that are in the kids' works today. You all look amazing. And I'm so happy that we are celebrating today, which is great. Um, but just to finish my introduction, and like Tony did, which got me inspired, my name is Marvelous Echezona Owokamike. The Echezona in the middle means do not forget God. And it came from my grandma. So you could use both, um, but that's, that's the name there. So today, we would be continuing with our summer series, Radical Welcome, and JP already kicked this off two weeks ago. Um, today, I would specifically be looking at welcoming the nations. Um, and it's one that in preparing for it's actually transformed me. I feel like it was for me. Um, and I hope that the same transpires to you this morning as you listen. Praise God. So Grace Church over the years has increasingly become more international, more diverse. I strongly believe that God is at work here. Um, it's like God has set a vision for us. He's caught us up in a journey. And for those that wouldn't understand, it's not always easy if you set out yourself to create diversity. It's the most difficult thing you can ever do. When God does it, it's simple, it's easy, it looks like it's common, but it's not. Um, and that's why we take this very seriously. That's why we are so thankful and we celebrate today. And whatever country you are from um, today, whatever nation you are from, whatever your background, I want to say you are welcome in the name of Jesus. And could you just look, choose your neighbor, I don't know whether you go to the right or the left, but could you just look at the person next to you and say, you look beautiful and you are welcome in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Praise the Lord. As always with myself, I love energy in the room. And because the Holy Spirit is here, the Bible says, where two or more are gathered in my name, I'm right there in their midst. So God is here, the Holy Spirit is here, the angels of God are here. And they love energy. So thank you for that, and thank you for welcoming one another. So most importantly, when you begin to think about it, that we are in the UK, um, a very international country. We are in Nottingham, a very international city. Um, as you look at that, you start to ask yourself that with the diversity that we've got, what is our next step as a church, as a people, as individuals? And as I thought about that, it occurred to me mostly like a question that what can we do more? Because the diversity we've got is the beginning. It's not the end in itself. It's just the starting point for what God is doing. It's a journey for which we are being invited into. So the question is how can we take the next step in welcoming the nations, in drawing ourselves into this diversity that God has given us and taking full advantage of everything that God has in store for us in it. And as I asked that question, I thought to myself, who else would be the best example that we should look at, if not Jesus Christ himself? 
So this morning, the text will be coming from John chapter 4, from verse 1 um, to 9. And I just want us to look at the encounter that Jesus had with the Samaritan woman. Um, I'll be reading, and it should come up on the screen. So, now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. 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 So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired, tired from his, as he was from this journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon at this time. Very important. It was about noon when, the Samaritan, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Praise God. I'll just stop right there. And if you reflect about this morning and the word that has come through and everything that has been said, I just feel like the sermon is already preached. So I'll try my best to summarize. Praise God. We see Jesus here taking a very, very bold step. Now, this is a story that has so much packed in it. In fact, this is one of the longest conversations that Jesus had with one person that is recorded in the Bible. And there's so much here, but I want to focus today just on the encounter with, this, with the Samaritan woman. There's more to the, to the topic, but just drawing our boundary around that and asking ourselves that why is it important that Jesus right here, right now, is encountering this woman. The Bible says he had to go through Samaria. And the reason is because there's so much history and hatred and rife and battle and all sort of dislike between the Jews and the Samaritans. And there's so much history there which culminated into a situation where the Jews felt like the Samaritans were um, defiled or outcast. You know, they shouldn't be part of what God is doing with the Jewish people. They shouldn't be involved in building the temple. They shouldn't be involved in anything concerning what the Jews do and what God does. And it was so much so important to the Jewish people that they would take a longer route from Judea to Galilee instead of passing through Samaria. I feel like it was something that they would beat their chest and talk about and say, you know, I went to Galilee yesterday, and guess what? 
I didn't pass through Samaria. But Jesus right here was breaking this social rule, this religious rule, this group, ethnic rule to go through not just Samaria, but right here encountering the Samaritan woman. So people would say, as a Jewish culture, you shouldn't even be talking to a strange woman. And here Jesus was not only going through Samaria, he was also talking to this strange woman. And he was not just talking to her, he was asking her for a drink. This is profound, that so much that it shocked the woman, and she asked him, how can you, the shock of him asking her for a drink, the fact that he was obviously Jew, he did not need to disguise himself to become a bit black if he was white, or a bit white if he was black, he was obviously dressed, he was completely Jewish, looking Jewish, and right there asking this, so it's not like a disguised person that was about to come and sneak in one on this lady and get a drink of water and tell her, oh, I'm Jew later on, but he was right there himself. And his social stance and his connection right there asking for water that shocked this woman triggered a conversation that later transformed her life and transformed the whole city. So the question for us then is, why was this important to Jesus? And as I looked at this more and more, I came across Numbers chapter 5 where the law clearly says that if a woman is suspected of adultery, that they, she would be put through to the priest, and the priest would, almost like a disgrace for being suspected. And the priest needed to give her this bitter water that she would drink, and this bitter water is supposed to either make her barren or place a curse on her if she was guilty. Now, Jesus, obviously, is our high priest, and right here should be the one giving water to this woman, knowing her condition and knowing her very well like he later demonstrated. But Jesus was asking her for a drink. And I see later that after Jesus was crossing all these divides and these barriers that separated the Jewish people from the Samaritans, he crossed the divide to give her a radical welcome. And it triggered the question for me, how can we where can we, when can we cross the divides, the barriers in our life to provide a radical welcome to all the nations and people that God is drawing, not just into this church, but into Nottingham and around us and everywhere that we go. Praise God. Our Lord Jesus Christ provided a radical welcome. He demonstrated right here that it was not just about the encountering of this woman. There was more. There was more because not only did he ask her for water when he should be the one actually putting her through this law in Numbers chapter 5, but later I see Jesus on the cross and he said, I thirst. I thirst. I thirst. And they gave him bitter water. He took what she should have had. Not just for her, but for us. He nailed it on the cross. Jesus died to set us free, and we celebrate this, that he also died to begin to build this diversity. The Bible says that he has broken the divide between us and others. He has broken the separation and the barriers that exist between us as a people and church, between nations and race and every other group. And he's done all this to build a church for himself that is united in one, demonstrating and living out the love of God. 
And this calls us into action. He demonstrated practically, calling us to action. So much has been done for us. So why, why should we welcome the nations? Why should we cross the divide like Jesus did? Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 1, if you read further, says that we, we were once dead in our sins, dead. And sometimes when we talk about salvation and the fact that we are saved, it looks like, you know, you lifted up your hand and God helped you up and, and there was some work that you did, but we were dead, kaput. So when he came and reached out for us, it was in the midst of hopelessness that we were welcomed. So we should welcome the nations because we are welcomed, praise God. Not only has he destroyed the barrier, but now in Ephesians chapter 2, as the Bible says, sorry, for Galatians 3 verse 28, it says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Ultimately, that's what Christ has done for us. So when should we welcome people? How, when, and where should we provide this radical welcome? The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So who are we to welcome? The world, everyone, everywhere. God has paid the price for everyone. We are called to welcome everyone. Praise God. And he's calling us to build a church so that wherever we go, we begin to see ourselves not just as a building that we meet on Sundays, but as the church of Jesus Christ, we are the church. So beyond this building, beyond the laughter and the greetings and the celebrations this morning, we need to take this radical welcome and cross the divide for the sake of God and the calling on our life outside the church. When we encounter people on the road, when we meet in the shops, when we go to home groups, when we decide to say hello to that neighbor that has been a pain, let's take those radical steps. So ask yourself, what is the divide that you would cross? I look forward to us sharing testimony after testimony of people taking both steps and doing that one thing that has been so hard for them and crossing the divide. I look forward to the Holy Spirit smiling and giving you this joy in your heart each time you do that. Praise God. So how should this work in practice? You know, how, how, how should we provide um, radical welcome? There's one important thing about this church because we have 10 values. And one of our values says, we welcome. And I find that so joyful that we've thought it through and it's there. But there are lots of opportunities for us to live out this value. So just to read out what the value says, it says, we all have a need to find a place where we belong. Through relationships, support, and hospitality, we make sure everyone knows they are welcome and valued in our diverse family. This is Grace Church value. How do we live out this value? How do we begin to cross the divide like Jesus did and begin to demonstrate this value and make it come alive in the life of everyone we encounter going forward and even more? There are many ways that we could do this, and you would say that since the need to, be, to belong, to be part of something is natural, that everyone wants it, that it would be so easy to, you know, cross the divide, welcome people, since everyone wants it, right? If everyone wants something, it should happen easily. But that's not the case. It's not the case because of our human nature. It's not the case because of the background and where we come from and the skill set that we have and the blind spots 
in our life, but it's also not the case because the enemy hates unity. But we thank God that he said he he would build his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Praise God. So I'm going to show you a picture for about 20 seconds. And I would like you to tell me what you see. Okay? Ready? Okay, let's see. Okay, that's it. Take it off now. <laughs> Praise God. Ben, what did you see? Uh, Who saw the breakfast? <laughs> Who else saw the breakfast? Who didn't see the breakfast? Blessing, you didn't see the breakfast. Chris, you didn't see the breakfast. Oh, come on. That's full English breakfast. <laughs> so, what did you see, Chris? Uh, a, yellow, a yellow car. A yellow car. Who else saw the yellow car? Ben, did you see the yellow car? You didn't see the yellow car. All right. So, Lindsay, what did you see? A rose. Who else saw the rose? Praise God. Who didn't see the rose? Oh, dear. (laughs) So, what did you see? Mona Lisa. Lisa. Who else saw Mona Lisa? Amazing. Praise God. So, this simply shows us, and if we've just put the picture up again, it's what you call selective perception. It's the fact that we see what we want to see. We see what is in our background. We see what reflects the stories we know and where we come from. And as you look at it now, you begin to see more. But the fact is that if we gave everyone in the room a chance to say what they saw, we would have had the whole picture. Selective perception separates us. But when we come together in unity, we have a better opportunity to see the whole picture that God is painting for us. Praise God. And sometimes things like selective perception is challenging, but it also triggers what you think as a blind spot. For instance, if you're driving down the M1, and maybe it's happened to you before, and you see this car in front of you, and it says, if, if you cannot see my mirror, I cannot see you. And every time I see that, I, I am like, really, like, I shouldn't be behind this car right now. <laughs> But think about what our blind spots does to us. The fact that physically it's dangerous when you have a car in your blind spot. And then what could happen next, you cannot really say. But it's also the fact that our blind spots causes us to not quite be as welcoming as we think we are. Not quite be, you know, giving people the opportunities as we perceive that we are. And just being conscious of selective perceptions that we have and the blind spots that we have in our life is quite important because it helps us to begin to realize where we are and how we can begin to step out from there to embrace more of what God has for us. Praise God. And besides things like the blind spots, there's what I call our in-group. So one way to begin to really step into what God is doing is that we could expand our in-group. Just like everybody, you know, we, we, we like affinity. It's human nature. There's nothing wrong with affinity. We like to go to what looks like us, what brings us together, what sounds like us, what speaks our background, what knows the movies we watched as children. But just being conscious that as Christians, we are called to welcome the nations, and that requires of us to begin to think of opportunities where we could expand our in-group and begin to welcome beyond our normal. Praise God. 
And in trying to, do, to, to expand our in-groups, it's good to look at the fact that James 2, verse 1 to 4 says, My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. And in verse 4, it talks about favoritism almost like being judgmental and being discriminatory. We are called as Christians to be careful not to show favoritism. Almost being challenged to increasingly think of innovative ways, radical ways to cross the divide like Jesus did and expand our in-group. Just for some examples, think about, you know, when you think about going to a home group. I know we have the chance to go to so many and choose the one that we are comfortable with. But we are being called right here to go to many and choose the one you are most uncomfortable with. <laughs> Praise God. I challenge you to do this. We shouldn't have people drawn together because they, they have the same story. We should have people drawn to The more that our selective perception is disrupted by us finding ourselves in spaces where we are not clear, the more we are open to trust the Holy Spirit and the more he does the work he should do in home groups. So I challenge every one of us, maybe change home groups. <laughs> maybe go to another home group. And if you're still thinking of joining one, please do join one. But expand your in-group. Praise God. And think about, for instance, if I met you on the road or in the shops, and I've talked to people a lot of times, and most times it's a bit challenging for us to meet a fellow believer on the road, having been on Sunday, had, you know, had coffee together, sang songs, did all of this good stuff, then we meet on the road and we just cross like strangers. And I encourage you, and, and, and there's not any bad intention, there's just that we, we don't like the abnormal, we don't like... To, to be put on the spot. We don't like to feel like I'll get it wrong. Maybe you're not sure of the person's name. Maybe you don't know where to start, you know. But again, let's cross the divide. When you see your brother or your sister in Christ on the road, by all means, say hello. Praise God. Say hello. I forgot your name. What's your name? And if, they, if somebody does that to you, for Christ's sake, do not be offended. <laughs> we are permitted to call each other brothers and sisters. So if you don't know the name, say, brother, <laughs> what is your name? <laughs> Praise God. And also another example would be when on a Sunday service after church, we have our little chats, which are so important because these are opportunities to meet people that you really want to discuss something with. And maybe you've waited a whole week to have that conversation. And just when you're starting that conversation, this intruder comes and is standing around and wants to be part of the conversation or wants to say something to you. Now, there is so much cultural challenge right there, I know. But there's always room for one more. Jesus was so busy, but we see throughout his life making room for one more person. There's room for one more when you are having your chat with one. If it means changing the topic, by all means, change the topic and welcome the new person. Praise God. Can we give each other permission that when we are talking with somebody, that another person can actually come and we can stop for 30 seconds and attend to them, know why they are there. Do you want to join or do you have a question? Thank you very much. See you later and continue. Can we, can we say it's okay to do that in Grace Church? Praise God! Making room for one more. Another important aspect is what I call assuming positive intentions. It is very easy in the culture we live in today, especially if you look at YouTube and, and, and Internet and, and social media and the news, right? We're in, in a time of political correctness in everything that is penetrating and almost sometimes challenging godly correctness in many topics. 
And for Jesus Christ in our story, I see that if you read further, there was a time when the woman said, you Jew. Yes, he's Jew. He didn't argue with them. Jewish, 100%. Fine. But when the woman later talked about, you people say that we worship on this mountain, that your God is right, our God is wrong, how did Jesus clarify? Right there, he jumped in, yeah. He was fine to let the Jewish matter go. That's fact. It's true. It's fine. But when it's not true, according to the Bible, Jesus spoke up. And did he clarify? You worship what you do not know. We, the Jews, we worship the true God. You worship what you do not know. That could sound so offensive. But in welcoming the nations, it doesn't mean we forget that the center of it all is Jesus Christ. And the center of it all is the Bible. And if it is not with step with the Bible, it is out of scope. Praise God. So positive intentions for here, for me, means sometimes taking offense. And it's very easy to come to church, as I said, because of this correctness, which is good, but it seems as if there is this desire and this force pushing everyone looking for where to be offended. Oh, who has offended me today? I wonder who offended me. But can I encourage us that when we come to church, we are coming to be blessed. Praise God. We are looking for opportunity. I wonder how God blessed me today. I wonder who blessed me today. I wonder who could have blessed me today that I missed out on. I wonder who I could have blessed today that I missed out on. And as we focus more on the blessings of God and not the opportunity to be offended, oh, did Chris offend me with the way he led that worship? I'm not sure. Or was the singer a bit too loud for me today? I'm, so, I'm not sure if I'm offended. I need to think about it. <laughs> Praise God. Some of us will need to give up offense. Maybe it's offense of the past. Forgive. Let it go. Maybe it's offense that is alive right now. Forgive. Let it go. Maybe it's offense of the future. Forgive. Let it go. We are not called to be offended. We are called to be a blessing and to bless. The Bible says in Ephesians 4 verse 31 that get rid of all bitterness rage and anger and brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate towards one another, forgiving each other just as Christ, God, forgave you. This is a wonderful calling to us all as children of God. And think about how pleasant it is, how beautiful it is. Psalm 113 verse 1. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. When he talks about pleasant there, if you go into that word, he's talking about how powerful it is. It's not just the pleasantness, oh, it's nice, we look beautiful, great, we are celebrating nations. The power. It is the power of God. When we come together in unity, there is no stopping what God is going to do. As we begin to love each other more, as we unite more, as we welcome more from where we are today, we see more of the move of God of the voice of God, of the power of God to save, to deliver, to heal. God is waiting on us to do great things in Grace Church. Let's step into this unity. Let's cross the divide. Let's break the barrier. Let's look for a challenge each week in our lives. I wonder which divide I'm going to cross this week. Let's get a checklist of divides that we're going to cross. Praise God. This is not just so powerful, but... It is our future. In Revelation 9, verse 11, which should come up on the screen, we see 
Jesus telling us that the future is us all, all nations, all people, all tongues, all tribes coming together in worship. Praise God. And this is a journey, just like the journey that Peter took. I love Peter. His story encourages me so much. Peter started off with God dropping food for him in a vision, in a trance. Say, arise, kill, eat. And Peter said, no way I'm touching that. No way I'm eating any of that. No way I'm having anything to do with that. But from there, God moved Peter to where he was challenged by Paul for stopping to eat with the Gentiles because some people came and he was afraid. He was not courageous. But we are called to be courageous. There may be fear and opportunities where you are challenged, but be courageous to step out. Be courageous to show the love of God. So I want to end with a prayer that Jesus prayed as we step into all that he has for us. But this is a prayer that really breaks my heart, realizing the very heart of Christ. This is in John chapter 17, verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved me even as I have loved them. That's the heartbeat of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God.